So definitely, I, when I set out to create a plant-based bacon, it was not with the intention of starting a company or even of commercializing it. I oh. really just wanted to learn. I was like, right, let's see how to make plant-based meats. And I thought, maybe I'll go work at Impossible because they're you know, in Redwood City, like an hour or so away, or yeah. go work at Ripple in the East Bay. Like I just thought I'd go work for some plant-based alternate meat or dairy company. And this was just a way to learn. But by the time I got to that point, I was like, wait, maybe I could start a company. This is Evolve CPG, a community of purpose-driven, sustainable product brand leaders who not only believe in better, but actively pursue it. I'm your host, Gage Mitchell, and today we're speaking with Sri Artham, founder of Hooray Foods, whose plant-based bacon is hitting the whole food shelves across the country as we speak. Sri, thanks for joining me for this conversation. Always fun to chat. Happy to be here. Thanks for including me. Yeah. I've been meaning to pick your brain a little bit more too, because as I was digging through your LinkedIn uh, recently, I noticed that you started out with like, a degree in systems design mm-hmm. and then piled on top of that an MBA. So I'm curious to know what that was like going from kind of more of a systems design creative background into more of that business background. Like what, what inspired that journey and what was that transition like? Yeah, I always, I don't know, and maybe it's, Maybe it's less so this way, but at least for the first part of my career, I always wanted like a broader and broader perspective. So I don't know, I was really good at math in high school, but I didn't want to do math because I felt that was like really narrow. So I was like, let's do engineering because it's like kind of applied and, you know, you kind of ex- experiment with a broader set of things. And then after studying engineering and doing like eight work terms, eight work terms, yeah, I uh, decided that that was also really narrow because engineers often just get told what they do, what to do, right? Like we need a device that, you know, if you're designing a phone, it has to have a battery life of 20 hours and should have this size and have this many buttons and have a camera like this, but you don't know why. You're just sort of handed <laughs> a set of instructions. Yeah. And I was like, that's kind of frustrating. I want to know why. So went bigger and went into the business. I was like, I want to be the person who's deciding what the engineer should be doing as opposed to being told what to do by a business person. Yeah. So, so it was going, going a l- little bit earlier in the process so you can have more of those answers. I've actually talked to a lot of people that have that struggle in the corporate environment where Everyone's get yeah. siloed and you get all these orders coming down, but you don't know where those orders came from. And the people on the other side of the coin, they get all these orders and they send it off and they don't know what happens to it. <laughs> so that's right. That's exactly. Yeah. Cool to be able to have the perspective of both. Like you get the strategy, but you also get the execution. Yeah. And eventually, you know, if you become a CEO like you or me, then you get to see all of it. So you understand the whole picture. <laughs> Whether you want to or <laughs> yeah. not, you have to see it all. Whether you want to or not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. So then from your MBA, it looks like you kind of went into the working world with Deloitte, which seems like an obvious transition. You've got an MBA going to consulting, but then all of a sudden you jumped off into Fairtrade USA for eight years. So I'm curious, like, A, what was the Deloitte experience like? But also like what what made you jump over into Fairtrade all of a sudden? Yeah, I mean I if you look at my business school essays, I had this belief that business was one of the biggest forces for change in the world, which I think still think it might be. It probably is. And I thought, man, if we could harness the power of business to do good, then that could be really powerful. So I went off to business school in the hopes to learn about hopes of learning about that. I spent way too long in consulting. I think I was at Deloitte for about eight years and, you know, just really enjoyed the work and the people I was with, but wasn't really getting any of that impact stuff other than some doing some pro bono work for fair trade actually. And I was like, oh yeah, this fair trade stuff's really cool. At the time, the only sort of 
kind of business-oriented sustainability movements that I could think of that were about helping people were fair trade and microfinance. And mm, so yeah. I decided to just focus on fair trade. And yeah, it kind of, everything came together, especially a lot of business school and consulting learning was really super helpful for me when I was at fair trade. Yeah, that's cool. What it, I mean, you said you did a little bit of pro bono work while you were at Deloitte. Was that something Deloitte had built in to like give everyone a percentage of time to do pro bono or was that you just hustling on the side? Um, they had a program that you could be a part of. I forget what it was called and it was supported, but the percentage of time you got was definitely after hours. Like it was not part of the workday. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. What, what were you doing at Fairtrade USA? I led the consumer packaged goods team for most of that time. Um, so you just sipped a coffee or tea. I don't know what you just sipped there, but if it was tea or cocoa, coffee. <laughs> coffee was the one part that wasn't part of my team in, in consumer packaged goods. Coffee was its own separate team, but like tea, chocolate, coconut water, cereal, things that come in boxes and cans in the middle of the grocery store. That was what me and my team worked on. Okay, cool. Well, I had some new me tea just before this too. So I'm, you know, playing oh, both sides. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Numi was one of our biggest partners and I th- imagine still is today. That's cool. So that might be kind of where your passion sparked for products as well, I'm guessing, because you were constantly interfacing with all these products, seeing all the good they're doing in the world. And then you thought like, well, why not me? <laughs> yeah, somewhat. I mean, what I learned when I was at Fairtrade is how powerful food is as a force for change in the world. Right. Like, so I think it's something like two thirds of the people who live in the world under $2 a day. So most of the poor people in the world live and work in food and agriculture, work in farming. And so, you know, by doing things like fair trade, you have the best chance of living, lifting people out of poverty or a really good chance. And then the same goes for animal agriculture, right? Like animals are the number two contributor greenhouse gas emissions. If we just change how we eat, we can turn back climate change. So that, yeah, I kind of caught religion or whatever the right term is working there about how powerful food can be. Yeah, and I've, I was especially excited um, when I saw the Drawdowns book come out, and it was all about the the best ways to reverse or uh, climate change. And yeah, I think I can't remember the exact number, but I want to say something like seven out of t- of the top ten ways to reverse climate change were all food related, like whether it's wow. ag- agriculture or food waste or organic farming, etc. So it's cool to see all that stacked up there. I had gone into food just because I was always passionate about food and thought like. I could go into the creative world or I could go, not that it's not creative, but go into the food world and like be a chef or open up restaurants or whatever. So the fact that I ended up going into design world, I still wanted to build that food into the field. So it was more of a passion, but I'm, you know, being a sustainability focused person, I was excited to see that food is actually also just a really powerful tool for change. And I agree with you as well, that business is powerful tool for change now too, especially with the B Corp and other kind of for good movements growing. So um, it's nice to see or to have opportunities as a professional to go out and like make some change. Yeah. So, yeah. You and I both live at similar intersections of food and business and sustainability. Exactly. Yeah. So you could have gone into like tea or coffee or chocolate or, you know, a bunch of other things. What, what was it about plant-based bacon that caught your interest? <laughs> Um, it was plant-based meat in general that caught my interest. So I started when I was one of the early followers of Impossible. Um, so, you know, yeah. they used to were first sold at a restaurant called Gardein here in San Francisco. And I went a few times with my friends and lined up and you had to like literally get a number at the time to like make sure you could get a burger. And I was just thought it was really cool. And I was like, man, you know, I know cows are the biggest contributor to greenhouse gas, to gas emissions amongst all animals. And if I could just stop eating beef, that would be huge. 
And so that worked for me. I stopped eating beef after the Impossible Beyond Burgers came out. And nice. I was like, okay, that works. And it can make a big difference. And it's hot, and which as an entrepreneur, it's important that people are excited about what you're doing. And so naively just set about to create, to, to take pigs out of the food system, to displace pigs out of the food system. So was that the goal? You just said, okay, if somebody else is tackling beef, let me work on pigs. And then you just started thinking through like that process of figuring out what you could make, or did you already kind of know how to make some sort of meatless pig products? No, I just, yeah, I took the dumb consultant approach of like, okay, big picture. Someone else working on cows, a lot of people working on chickens, not as many people working on pigs. Okay, that's the part I'm going to work on. It's funny, I'm staring at my desktop here and there's a, a, f- a file that I made that where I used to do all this planning and it's called Save the World with My Stomach. And I, that's where you can see a lot of my analysis of, okay, well, where should I be focusing and where's the biggest need? Where's the biggest impact I could have? That's cool. I mean, that's helpful that you had the business background to know that it's not just about your passion, but also about where the gap in the market is. And Yeah, exactly. And I think to your point, like I've seen some plant-based fish popping up lately and I've mm-hmm. seen obviously beef is super popular to do plant-based but I haven't really seen any other pig-based products popping up yet well I guess I think like tofurkey or someone has some like ham like um, right slices, yeah like deli slices but but um, and there's like breakfast sausages or or even you know beyond has sausages that are I guess would be pork replacements oh I haven't seen theirs okay interesting yeah but it seems like pretty open space territory so when you started when you had that idea and then started experimenting, did you have conversations with retailers and other people early on to see if that idea also resonated with them? Huh. I don't think I did. I think I think I just went from, okay, starting with pigs, let me just if you're gonna work with pigs like the or work on or displacing pigs, the natural starting point is bacon because people get excited about it and it's pretty high. I think bacon comes from pork belly and it's like the most valuable cut of a pig. I don't know if you've ever heard of like pork belly futures or pork belly market. Yeah. Is that, yeah. yeah. That comes entirely from bacon as far as I understand. And I remember listening to a podcast where they said, if you could just kind of, you know, displace the need for bacon, you get rid of the pork belly market or future market, which then can take away the market for pigs. It was like, it just seemed like a big way to make a difference. Nice. Um, yeah. So with that said, like as you focused in on bacon, you know, you don't have to disclose your trade <laughs> secrets or anything, but what was that process like of figuring out, okay, I want to focus on bacon. Now I've got to come up with a product, like maybe not being from a culinary background or a manufacturing background per se. How, how was that challenge? Yeah, it was interesting. It was fun. It's funny. I, I kind of joke about it, but it's also real like that. So I started, I started, decided to started experimenting in January of 2019. So a year and a half ago and the Christmas prior over like the holidays, I had just binged watch the great British baking show for like two weeks. (laughs) (laughs) And I really, I really feel like all that creativity there and all the criticism by, Oh, what's his name? Paul Hollywood or something like that. Um, And uh, I forget the two hosts, but all their sort of critiques and it just kind of like inspired me to like, be like, okay, these guys can make anything out of baked goods. Like why can't I just try to do something like that? And then did a lot of studying. The Good Food Institute has a great course on how to make plant-based meats. And I looked at YouTube channels of people making their own Beyond Burgers at home, which you can do and which I did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's actually not that hard if you yeah, to check on YouTube. There's a bunch of people who've done it. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to learn. And I then started experimenting on my own and had a lot of really terrible experience with pyramids. I can show you some photos of 
horrible looking bacon. <laughs> and then got to one that was like just starting to look good. It was just, yeah. And I was like, okay. Then it, then it came down to refining, which is kind of where it's been since. Nice. That's cool. At what point in that process did you start thinking, well, okay, I'm, I can nail this in my own kitchen, but how would I scale this? Was there any thought around that or were you just thinking, well, if I can nail it here, we can figure it out later? Huh, what was my thought process back then? So definitely I, when I set out to create a plant-based bacon, it was not with the intention of starting a company or even of commercializing it. I oh. really just wanted to learn. I was like, I, let's see how to make plant-based meats. And I thought maybe I'll go work at Impossible because they're you know, in Redwood City, like an hour or so away, or yeah. go work at Ripple in the East Bay. Like I just thought I'd go work for some plant-based alternate meat or dairy company. And this was just a way to learn. But by the time I got to that point, I was like, wait, maybe I could start a company. Huh. <laughs> and I took it to this, I posted on Facebook, hey, does anyone know any chefs? Because I've got a plant-based bacon I want someone to try. And one of my friends from Deloitte, um, he said, yeah, my father-in-law used to be a chef at, I think it's called the Spinnaker up in Sausalito, just north of San Francisco. Yeah, and I was familiar. like, yeah. And so he was like, I was like, yeah, he's happy to try it out. And I was like, all right. Oh, what was his name? He's, he has a, his name is the same as a celebrity, but I can't remember right now. And so, yeah, I drove up to his house with my two little strips of bacon, really nervous. I was like, this is ridiculous. I'm showing this thing that I made in my kitchen to a chef. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> of course, I walk in and he had just fried up an entire platter of real bacon that was sitting there. So I was like, oh, this guy's going to like, you know, eviscerate me. This, he's just like, he's a bacon expert. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he fried it up and he was like, no, this is good. I think you can sell it. And I was like, all right, oh. <laughs> I'm going to try to sell it. That's a good confidence booster right there. That's cool. Yeah, that was huge. Yeah. Nice. So then a- you had the idea, you had the product, you knew there was maybe some clear space for it. So then you decided to go for it. So what... What was the the biggest challenge, would you say, for launching your own food brand then from that point? Um, A lot of things were surprisingly easy, like just selling it. I I reached out, I think I spent a week in, I'm forgetting the month, but maybe it was like the end of May or end of March in last year. Oh, that's last year. Was it last year? It must have been. Yeah. And reached out to like 10 or 20 restaurants just blindly, you know, based on ones who sold the Impossible Burger or Beyond Burger and or any sort of plant alternative. And three restaurants wrote back within a week and like, we're like, yeah, we want it. Uh, I mean, I had to do tasting. I did a bunch of tasting. I got into three, one of whom was the plant. Yeah. So that was super easy. And the plant is, was still our first customer actually invested a small amount in us. Um, But that all happened in really quick succession. I mean, just plant-based meat was so hot and people liked the idea of bacon. I think the first thing that kind of slowed me down in terms of what the pace I wanted to go was fundraising. I thought, I thought it'd be easier, especially being yeah. in such a hot space. But even then it took a while. It took longer than I wanted with a lower valuation than I wanted. So that, that definitely like put, I felt like our progress on pause for a couple of months, just trying to go fundraise. That was like the first obstacle. Was the difficulty that you were like, people were hesitant to invest or that the process just takes so long and there's so much due diligence that needs to happen or, or whatever. I think it's mostly the process because you know, you're going to someone brand new and saying, hey, we're, value me at millions of dollars. Um, and they're like, who are you? And I'm like, yeah, I'm just some guy. I created this bacon in my kitchen. And they're like, well, if you create it in your kitchen, anyone can do it. So that doesn't seem investable. So there was a lot of those sort of conversations of like, we see the opportunity here, but we don't necessarily know if we can invest in you because who are you? Yeah. And if you've got an MBA and Deloitte experience, I imagine it's especially difficult for someone 
without a business background to launch a company and go get investing? That's got to be a challenge. Yeah. I mean, those are certain things definitely help because you have to eventually create a pitch deck. And as a consultant, that's what you making investment decks or not investment decks, but making presentations is kind of all you do. So certainly those things helped. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So you launched and I know that you kind of were focusing on restaurants since you were getting a lot of attention from chefs and other local uh, venues there near in, in like the Bay Area. But once you started launching, of course, COVID hit. <laughs> so yeah, it kind of like took the market out from under you. So what was that whole pivot like? How did you figure out what to do next? Oh, man. So it was the first week of March. I remember being down in L.A., we were doing our first production run for our, our wholesale boxes that we were going to sell to restaurants. And you know, we had a bunch of restaurants lined up and it was the week I decided to start our fundraising round for the next round for our seed round. Oh yeah. So had a full week of production. We did a photo shoot to help support our launch a, a bacon photo shoot, you know, normal things and flew back home that weekend. And like two days later, lockdown hit. And yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Every restaurant we were talking, just to, not even the same no, they were just like not returning our calls or emails because of course they had much bigger things to worry about. And any investor we were talking to were just like, uh, yeah, we don't know what's going on right now, but you know, we're not taking, we're not doing new investments right now. So it was that first couple of months were really, I mean, aside from just the whole world going, you know, into uncertainty, um, just from a business perspective, that was also really anxiety inducing and stressful for sure. Yeah, yeah, March yeah. and April were rough. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine if I was in that same position, <laughs> like mm-hmm. you had just, you know, raised money, invested things, like working on manufacturing, finally locking down some deals. You feel like you're getting momentum and then all of a sudden the rug, rugs pulled out from underneath <laughs> you. I can yeah. imagine there would be at least a few hours, if not a few days, with your head under the covers wondering why me, like <laughs> what, what's going on and what to do next. But somehow yeah. we managed to like pull out of that and pivot pretty quickly and and started building relationships with retailers to to launch in that space. So was that always part of the plan to go to retail and you had some of those contacts in your back pocket or were you just like once COVID hit, busted out the whiteboard and said, okay, what's next and who do I know? Um, it was sort of in between. So I definitely had planned to go after restaurants like from the beginning because Impossible did such a good job of that. And then in September last year, there was this conference called the Good Food Conference where one of the a Whole Food Scout found our product and like passed it on to the global buyer, the, the buyer in Austin. And so he reached out on LinkedIn and said, Hey, I heard you have a cool bacon. Like, let's chat, which is cool. <laughs> yeah, we just get a random inquiry from Whole Foods. Yeah, um, not a bad inquiry. <laughs> yeah, not a bad thing. I mean, LinkedIn, I don't pay anything for LinkedIn and I definitely get my month, money's worth on it. That sounded weird. <laughs> LinkedIn's been super <laughs> valuable because of random people, not random, like, like really interesting people reaching out. So yeah, we had a couple of conversations and I, you know, I was happy to talk, but you know, with the intention of saying, no, we're not going to do this now, maybe later. But the buyer convinced me and said, I, you know, if you don't do it, basically said someone probably else, someone else probably will. So you don't, you want to be first. And I was like, ah, that's good logic. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I love how they had to convince you. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cause usually it's the other way around, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like pitching. Yeah. Year after year or whatever in the category review and hopefully you'll get in someday, but on yeah, the flip exactly. side, yeah, you you had to be convinced. That's cool. But you briefly mentioned like LinkedIn's been awesome for you. Talk a little bit more about that. Like, how oh. do you use it, and like, what has it done? So there's definitely been those sorts of things where people who I don't know reach out. Um, so it's been the Whole Foods. Definitely a lot of investors. I don't know if any of our current investors have been LinkedIn reach outs, but there's been some ones that could be future investors that have reached out that way. And most concretely for hiring, 
Stephanie, who's, who you've met, our head of marketing, we posted that job on LinkedIn and there were like 200 people applied and she was like the best candidate. And same for our food scientists who came to us from beyond Patrick. He was amazing. Yeah. And he had, there were again, like two or 300 people applied. Our head of sales, same thing, two or 300 people applied and she was awesome. So yeah, LinkedIn has been awesome. Just most importantly for building a team. Yeah, that's cool. That's good advertisement for LinkedIn. Have you been yeah, exactly. like growing your LinkedIn reach by like posting a bunch of things or joining and commenting on groups? Or has it just been like you're kind of got something hot on and people are out there looking for it? Yeah, I think it's just mostly it's something hot that we're working on. I do w- want to, I've been backing off my Facebook engagement a ton. So I have been like trying to do more Instagram and I, I should do more LinkedIn too and really cultivate that. I, I'm very passive. I'm one of those, one of those like kind of, it's not really a creeper, but I just, I read stuff on there, but I don't actually post very much. Yeah. I hear that. That's my usual social media MO as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably not the most productive method, but uh, that's the way I've been rolling. Uh, so yeah. so you, you found a hot industry with plant-based in general. So I've, I mean, since you've been launching, I keep seeing articles and trends and other things, especially during COVID that have popped up like plant-based is one of the top trends during lockdown even. So mm-hmm. what's that journey been like? Like, obviously you were intentionally going into the space because you knew it was kind of hot, but to see your hunch kind of being reinforced with all these uh, trends articles and stuff, has that been a good motivation booster? Have you been getting a lot more attention because of that? Yeah, I think so. We get a lot of inbound. It's you know very flattering. And I'll never take it for granted that we get a lot of restaurants that reach out to us or small grocery stores, or there's some even large ones. I don't know if there's, anyway, there's, there's quite a lot of inbound connections that we get to make. And I don't know if frustrating is the right word, but it's kind of like knowing there's a big party going on over there, but not having your ticket yet to the party or like, you know, knowing you're two hours late, you're just like in traffic or something. <laughs> That's kind of the way I feel like plant-based, like, like you said, is going, is like growing like crazy right now. And it's the pandemic has accelerated it. And we haven't really been in, launched our gross, grocery product yet. So it's been, I don't know. I feel I still sort of feel, feel some certain amount of emptiness, just not really being part of the game, even though I know there's a big game going on out there. Yeah, well, hopefully the trend will continue, and you know, who knows when or if lockdown will be yeah. done. <laughs> but you know, maybe now that people are focused a little bit more on cooking at home and focusing on their health and so on and so forth, hopefully those trends will continue. I think so. Yeah. Forward, but you know, you can always, as people move back to work, start creating like pre-cooked hooray plant-based <laughs> bacon in like little pouches or something like that too to capitalize on future trends. Yeah, we've talked about that actually. Of having a ready-to-eat bacon or yeah, or shelf-stable bacon. Yeah, pocket bacon. Pocket bacon, yeah. <laughs> one of our advisors is an athlete, uh, Brendan Brazer. He's a triathlete and one of the co-founders of Vega, the protein company. Oh, yeah. They do mixes. So he really wants us to have like a athletic recovery bacon. So you, you know, you go run your triathlon or do your bike ride or go on your hike. And then at the end, you just grab a couple of sticks of bacon out of your backpack and, <laughs> and feel better. And like, yeah, like really cool one day. Functional bacon. I love it. Functional bacon. Yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. I mean that, that industry, like all the keto, but also like you know, CrossFit triathlons, et cetera. It's a huge, huge market as well. That makes total sense. I've seen a lot of products go towards functional, even products that you wouldn't think of as the type of product that would go functional, like even like beers with vitamins and different, you know, like it's just so random, but like (laughs) that makes sense. Like if you're going to consume something, you may as well get a little benefit out of it. 
So why not yeah. Lincoln? Why not? Yeah, there's, there's, I don't know if you've heard of Source, but she does, um, or they do chocolates that have like certain vitamins or, you know, um, some sort of supplements that help you as well. So yeah, makes sense. There's a certain logic to it for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Sweet. So what do you think is the future for plant-based food? It's so hard to say. I definitely think it's a trend that's going to stay here. I, you know, one of the things I, you know, talking to some other people in the industry, it's just, I think everyone's kind of curious of what's going to, as what's going to happen with cultivated or cultured or cell-based meat, because that's something a lot of people are excited about. So there's still some questions as to, well, how realistic will it actually be when it comes out? Can they produce it economically? So we don't know when that's going to happen or if that's going to happen. There's also a lot of people working on like mycelium-based meats, mm. um, including some bacons out there. So I'm kind of curious as to how those do and whether or not they're going to prove to be better. I mean, the idea of using anything mushroom-based sounds really cool to me. Yeah. So I don't know, I'm kind of curious about that. But I think the trend overall is just going to keep accelerating. And at least in my personal life, like I've slowly been switching away from like shredded cheese to Violife's um, shredded cheese, which is really yeah. good. We were just talking about Miyoko's, like, um, oh, yeah. yeah, I'm starting to use her or their butter, which is really good. It's almost identical to real butter in my point of view. So, yeah, yeah I think they, that trend is going to keep continuing. Yeah, they've been crushing it. She's been getting a lot of attention, too. Also, probably right in the whole vegan plant-based kind of wave as well. Yeah. Uh, with, with that said, I know, like, the impossible market, like, part of what they were going after isn't, like, your typical vegetarian vegan because mm -hmm. they were going after a more realistic tasting and looking meat. So they were going after like the conversion of meat eater to more plant-based eating. Do you feel like for Hooray that your goal is more to convert people or do you feel like your goal is to give you know existing vegetarian <laughs> vegan people a, just a super tasty additional option? No, we definitely want to convert people because that's like really, I think the only way you make a difference is get people who are consuming animal products to stop. So, I mean, the vegans are the ones who are probably the first to like, to seek us out and like get excited about it and be vocal. Um, but I, we really want to go like after the, yeah, the same people that Impossible is going after. That makes sense. Well, maybe yeah. on your, on your list, like, I don't know if you plan to f continue focusing on, on the, the pig, but yeah. if you do, uh, I have, a, a, you know, still it's, it's hard to find like a good plant-based ham or other kind of forms of, of pig as well so i'm looking forward to seeing what you come up with in those territories too because i've got so many recipes that i cook where i've tried every plant-based alternative that i can get my hands on for that recipe and yeah it works quite as well as like just ham so interesting to see like where that kind of innovation goes in the future because people are just crushing it in beef and you're crushing it in bacon but like i'm sure there's so many other things to innovate on i hope you're right I think we can do a ham. So we've prototyped other products that are kind of bacon-like that are, I describe as fat and flat. Um, that's, that's our specialty right now. And so it'd be probably pretty easy to take the way we make bacon and apply it to a ham. So when we do that, we'll have to send you a prototype and see if, <laughs> see if, you, if it passes the test for you. Hey, I'm always willing to be a taste tester or you know, a product <laughs> tester. So for sure, happy to help out there. So as you've gone through your journey of like design, engineering, MBA, like fair trade into starting your own company. What have you learned about yourself? Like, have you found any hidden superpowers that you didn't know existed before? It's funny. I was giving a talk at a friend's class at Berkeley. It must've been last year. Cause it certainly wasn't this year that I was giving class talks at a class. And he asked me just to go over my career. And so I was like, okay, that feels a little indulgent or something, but let me see <laughs> if I can put together a deck about that. 
Yeah. <laughs> and I realized like at the point I was giving it, I had five careers. It was just as a starting <laughs> hooray. Yeah. And I think that's, I don't know, that's what something I'm proud of that I've been able to switch careers so much. And I think it's a testament to just how much faster things move right now and how much more knowledge is available, information is available to you and you can switch. And, you know, it's not that we don't live in there. I don't know, our parents era of you, you know, my dad went to, worked at Motorola from the, basically the time he graduated, graduated up until the time he retired. And that just doesn't happen anymore. Like you, the world's evolving too fast. People have to evolve fast. So I don't know. I'm grateful that I've been able to do that. And I, you know, I don't know how long this hooray journey will last, but I imagine this is not my last career. I imagine there's something else I'll do after this. That's cool. Yeah. It's all about constant evolution these days. So how do you, how do you make sure that you're keeping up with your evolution? <laughs> do you intentionally like read a bunch of books or have any sort of um, routines that you focus on to constantly develop your skills in different areas? That's a good question. I mean, I definitely just have like a curious nature and I love learning. But one of the things, well, two of the things I do that might be particularly focused on just staying fresh is one is I, I check BuzzFeed out most days just to see what younger people are talking about. And also TikTok, like I go on TikTok quite a bit and I just want to see what, I, I don't want to ever feel outdated. I want to, I, I mean, I don't know how to say all the Gen Z terms like no cap and they say some other things that I haven't really picked up on yet. But I know who Billie Eilish is. Like, that's a good start. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're totally current then, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, you've got me yeah. beat because I still haven't downloaded TikTok yet. I don't even know if you still can. I heard it was going to be like stop downloads or whatever because of what Trump was doing there. But um, but yeah, it's a, it's a good point. And just like staying current with what the future is blowing up is a good way to do it. And maybe I, I guess we were talking earlier too about social media, like whether you're just consuming or participating in it. And sometimes I feel like you mm. get behind by not participating too, because, you know, you see all these social media influencers that are 15 and have like 30 million followers and have yeah. huge careers and can launch brands in a split second or, you know, do whatever they want with that following. And you feel like you get behind, but also to your point, even just following those trends help you stay relevant as well. Like you don't necessarily have to start recording dance videos for TikTok yeah, right. <laughs> to, to know what the future looks like. Yeah, exactly. I haven't got there yet. Maybe one of the, you and I can work on a TikTok dance and record yeah. it. We'll do a, the bacon dance or something like that to introduce. Oh yeah, we can invent one. There could be like a cool sizzle or something that happens. <laughs> yeah, do the sizzle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. We just need a good bacon song for it. <laughs> oh, well, we always use, there's that song, I think it's Naughty by Nature called Hip Hop Hooray. I don't know if you oh, yeah, know that yeah. song. Oh yeah. Yeah. So we always use hip hop hooray as our introductory song for hooray foods. Nice. Yeah. I seem to remember that one being popular when I was in my youth and going to like roller skating rinks. <laughs> and, like, songs <laughs> yeah. like that would pop up and we're dancing around on our roller skates or doing like limbo. And that was a different time, of course. Oh, you've got TikTok genes in you. You could do that. I know I should. <laughs> yeah. One of my uh, lesser known kind of facts is that whenever I'm out at design conferences, somehow, some way, a dance party always pops up when you're at design conferences. So, oh, really? I, I usually like stay pretty low key the whole conference for a while, and then, but once the dance party kicks off, I just can't help myself <laughs> dive in there and start dancing like crazy, and then, and then I end up getting this reputation for being like the the dancing person because I just just go insane on the dance floor for a little bit. I just can't help it. But I always wow. Like, try to, 
pull that side of me back because yeah. I don't want like videos of me dancing. But maybe <laughs> I should have just embrace it and sign up for just TikTok. embrace it. Yeah, <laughs> TikTok's all about dancing, and if you got the moves, <laughs> yeah, may as well. Yeah, that's cool. So tell tell uh, the viewers slash listeners where they can find Hooray and what they should be. I don't know, maybe some tips for how to use it. Like, what's your favorite way to use it? Yeah. Um, so we're going to be in seven out of 11 Whole Foods regions by the end of the month, by the end of November, 2020, whatever year this is. <laughs> <laughs> Hard to keep track. These <laughs> Hard to keep track. The best way to figure out if it's we're in a Whole Foods near you or any store near you is just go to our website, hoorayfoods.com, and we have a store or we will have a store locator on there when that launch starts. Yeah, we have some other, you know, pretty exciting distribution opportunities that are kind of in the works after that. So we're excited about that. Let's see, my biggest advice about Hooray Food. So my intention when I designed our bacon was that it should be just like real bacon in terms of how you prepare it, how it looks. Like you shouldn't have to need instructions. And so like well, I think one of the things that people find pretty cool is that you put it in a frying pan and it just cooks up in its own fat, just like real bacon. You don't have to add oil. But that said, the one instruction we try to get the word out on it is like try to cook it low and slow. It tends to cook a little faster than real bacon. So that'd be my biggest tip. And it's just great in a BLT. I mean, that's a really good starting point. Uh, chef Sam, who's our, our chef, has all sorts of cool creations. And, you know, he's got cool ideas beyond that. He just created a, a bacon wrapped butternut squash for Halloween. Oh, sorry, for Thanksgiving. Right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But I'm not that sophisticated. I'll just make a BLT or, or put it on a breakfast sandwich. It's awesome. Just like simply like that. Nice. That's that. Now I'm now I'm getting hungry, but that also <laughs> inspires a new song for a dance video. Is low and slow. That is my mo. What is that like? Beastie. Uh, <laughs> you know? Oh, is that <laughs> really? Oh yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Not okay, yeah. Words, look that but, you know, we could we could yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm gonna have to look up that Beastie Boys song and and see if we can we can co-opt it. Nice. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Thanks for um, joining us for a conversation. I'm excited to see Hooray over at Whole Foods and to try it out as well as your future ham products and other things like that that I can squeeze into my (laughs) recipes. So thanks for doing what you do and keep rocking it. Thank you. Well, it wouldn't look as great on shelf as it will will without your help. So thanks for helping us on that journey. (laughs) Of course. Yeah, happy to help. Good good people make great brands. (laughs) We try, right? Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Sri or his company, go to hoorayfoods.com. Subscribe to our podcast and YouTube channel for more innovator interviews, expert advice, and leadership discussions. If you like this episode, hit that like button and share it with your colleagues. And of course, send us feedback and ideas for who we should talk to next at evolve at modernspecies.com and learn about our upcoming online community at evolvecpg.com. See you next week.